She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Episode 1. Pilot. So this is our very first episode, and we had the grandiose plan. Well, I mean, you had the plan. I was like, yeah, I'll totally do that. But we had the plan to watch every episode of The X-Files and do a podcast about it. Yeah, I'm really excited. This is going to be really fun. Today, we're just going to talk about the pilot, which is the first episode. But um, yeah, eventually, we're going to talk about the entire series. And this is something that we had decided to do because neither of us have seen x-files in a very long time so i'm kind of excited to revisit it and see how it goes and i guess we should probably get into it yeah so the pilot of the x-files was written by chris carter who's the series creator it was directed by robert mandel it had a budget of two million dollars which is equivalent to about 3.6 million in 2020 dollars it was filmed over the course of two weeks in and around vancouver including barnaby and white rock in march of 1993 from the 6th through the 22nd Though the episode actually takes place in March of 1992. It originally aired on Friday, September 10th, 1993. And that night, 12 million people in the United States watched this episode. Yeah, that's impressive. That's actually really good for a pilot in 1993. Yeah. I don't know how long the the post-production time on the episode was. But so they filmed for 14 days. And apparently they finished the episode like three hours before he was going to show it to like the Fox executives. Oh, wow. That's cutting it close. Yeah, so I don't know what that production time was, but I, it's like they filmed it in March and then it didn't air till like six months later. Well, I think that was mostly because so. it was like a fall yeah. show. And back then, before Netflix, <laughs> back in the old days, that's, they would that's, release shows in the fall. And so that was kind of the thing. That's like, true. I did that, like, duh. Yeah, I did not even think about that. That's going to be one of those things dealing with. We're, talk, we're talking about a TV series that is 27 right. years old. And a lot, and that's going to be I think, with how television works yeah. and how it was produced. All that stuff has changed a lot. So yeah, and so speaking of which, um, what were you doing twenty-seven years ago, Tori? <laughs> so twenty-seven years ago, I was eleven. I was in middle school. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was probably on Friday nights. We were often home uh, with my two brothers, and I'm sure that Andrew is the one who started watching the X Files. I did like watching Unsolved Mysteries a lot. And I was really into, like, Are You Afraid of the Dark on Nickelodeon, which I don't remember if that was before or after the X-Files, but I remember watching that a lot. So, yeah, I was probably at home with my siblings, probably eating some mac and cheese or something well, <laughs> and watching the X-Files. Where were you on September 10th? Well, I don't know exactly where I was. I know I was watching this episode because I did start watching it when it came out. And again, 1993, you pretty much watched it when it came out, unless you like had a VCR, which I think I did have a VCR. But so, I mean, there's the possibility that I might have recorded it and watched it at a later point. But I know I watched it when it came out. At that point in time, I was a lot older than you because I was 23. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And I was, uh, it was actually like two weeks before my year anniversary with my then girlfriend, current wife. So oh, wow. we met in September of 92. Wow. So, and I believe we were actually living together at this point. I think we started living together that summer of 93. So we probably watched it together Aww. on a cathode tube television. So yeah, I'm old anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that said, I do not know that I've really watched it in any meaningful way, shape, or form 
probably since it aired, aside from maybe like probably like some reruns, like, you know, during the the summer season when they would rerun mm-hmm. TV shows, because that was the only time you could rewatch it. Right. But yeah, so watching it was uh, at least a 25 probably year deal for me. So yeah. I bought like VHS sets at like Hot Topic. They would have like two packs of like episodes. Yeah, so and, like how different in age we are. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, I lived in, um, I grew up in Lake Tahoe. And so to get to a Hot Topic, you had to go to Reno. So like that was like oh, wow. an adventure. So you would go like school shopping and then go to Hot Topic and like buy your, your weird VHS tapes. I don't even know if I bought them there. I know I had them and I rewatched them, but I did not have the pilot. So I don't know how many times I've actually seen it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was in Visalia, California, Central California. So oh, nice. If we're, if we're doing if we're doing time and place. So the Visalia ransacker just got sentenced. He was yeah. the Golden State Killer. That is totally a tangent. We don't have yeah, to I mean, leave that in. Was in. Well, I mean, that was in like the 70s when he was 70s, the Visalia ransacker. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah. But sorry, I was for Visalia and that was like, "Oh, hey, he No, just yeah, got no, sentenced. that is that is a thing. Yeah, totally. I mean, it wasn't when I was there cuz I would I wasn't born. Where my there, true but... crime brain went. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I was just like, yes, that guy's Scott. You're building, anyway. you're building those <laughs> links between topics. So the stuff that I love is weird and dark and awful. Yeah. So <laughs> having not watched it for, I'm guessing probably like 25 years in my case, at least, at least two full decades, because I know even if I like had the cassettes, I probably wasn't watching them past like 2000. So mm-hmm. it's been at least two decades since I've seen this if not more what was like when you started when you started to like you like i'm gonna watch this like what struck you so my first impression was like someone running through the woods and it was you know and i just my immediate first thought was like this feels so familiar there's like creepy lights and somewhat you know weird noises and it just felt really weirdly familiar to me even though i hadn't seen it in a really long time do you think some of that is just because like the X-Files has been, like you talked about before, like in our trailer episode when we kind of went over our background with the X-Files, you talked about how like X-Files was kind of like a like a foundational thing for you growing up. Is it because of that? Or do you think because other media has kind of taken that and built upon it? And so you see it like everywhere now. Yeah, that's a good question. So I think it's a couple things. One, it's that I lived in the woods. And so running through the woods was like a scary oh, at night okay. thing. So I think that is really familiar. And then also just the whole like the show being familiar. I think it is because it was such a, I mean, in a weird way, watching the first episode, just overall, it felt really much if it was that like, nostalgic, like coming home feeling, like for me, and that was really cool, just because I had not seen it in so long. And it really did kind of bring back that memory of like sitting on the orange chair in my mom's living room when I was a kid and watching this stuff with like the blinds closed because who knew what was really out in those woods behind her house. (laughs) It was scary. So you had to close the blinds so people couldn't be looking in while you're watching this scary stuff. Yeah, I guess Um, you do have that because, yeah, living on Lake Tahoe. So, yeah, you have that kind of, you know, I mean, obviously further south and even like like this episode is supposed to take place in northwestern Oregon. Right. More towards the coast, but basically about where I am now in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. And then you are in Seattle. I'm in, I'm a little north of Seattle, but yeah, I'm in the Pacific Northwest. So it's the same kind of rainforesty weather. So yeah, the whole episode takes place in a very familiar setting. Also, just in in terms of where I live now, where I lived then, 
And then also just seeing it again and feeling like, wow, you know, I love, I love this stuff. I love these people. I, I know this stuff. It's. Well, yeah. I've, I mean, your, your proximity to Vancouver is like right there. It is. Although I've only actually been once, which is really embarrassing. <laughs> I really should go again. Well, it's another country. So yeah, yeah. you get a pass on that. Yeah, true. For me. So there were a couple of things that, that like when I started watching it, I was like, wow. The first thing was, I, mean, I guess I should go in order. The first thing was that, the following story is inspired by actual documented accounts. Like that's the first thing you see when the episode mm-hmm. starts. Right. And I'm kind of like the skeptical part of me now, like maybe like with some hindsight, I'm like, well, what documented accounts? Can you give me some more information, please? Can I have some information about what these actual documented accounts are that you're basing the story on? No, but that's just me being like persnickety, I guess. But the big thing that really caught me was how young Mulder and Scully look in this episode. Yeah, no, they I actually wrote that down in my notes. One of my first things is like, Scully, she looks so young and like he that does. blazer, oh nineties. It's so oversized and it has shoulder pads and it was so so nineties. But yeah, they do. They look really, really baby faced. I mean, I did some I did some nerdy research on like them looking so young. So it, like that thing kind of got me. And so like Jillian Anderson. She was 24 when they filmed this because she oh, was wow. born in August of 1968. So she was 24. Her character, though, I was trying to figure out like how old is her character supposed to be? So she's gone to med school. She decided not to study medicine. So she obviously probably didn't do her residency. So she's not actually a doctor. And then she was recruited. She joined the FBI and was in the FBI for two years. So if we're assuming that she graduated high school and then went to college, and then went to med school directly out of college and then went directly into the FBI. She is like 28 years old. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you figure four years of college, four years in med school, and then two years in the FBI. I guess the average age that people tend to start med school is actually 24. This would put her starting in med school at 22, but we can assume she was driven. I mean, who knows? She may have been gifted, right? Maybe she started college earlier than 18 i don't know but so she's about 28 so she's playing a little bit older character whereas david duchovny he was actually 32 wow because he was born in 60 they're actually born like two days apart well and like what eight years because her birthday is august 9th of 68 his birthday is august 7th of 60 so they probably had birthday parties that they were filming oh yeah august. yeah so the character of Mulder, he went to Oxford and is an Oxford-educated psychologist. Mm-hmm. And then he wrote a monograph that resulted in a serial killer being captured in 1988. So being that it was a monograph, he probably wrote that as a psychologist. And then he says like he was recruited by FBI. So I'm assuming like maybe the recruitment was based on his monograph. So it probably happened maybe sometime around that. So maybe like 87, 88 is when he's recruited. So mm-hmm. he's been an agent for about four or five years at this point. So, that makes sense. So he's probably, I mean, this is 93. The episode what, actually what, takes place in 92. 92. I was going to say, yeah, that's one of yeah. the other things that takes place to like exactly like a year past. So the episode supposed to take place in 92. So he would be, yeah, it would probably be about four years. So they're roughly the same age. He's probably a little bit older than she is. But yeah, that's just me being like, <laughs> like they look really young. How old were they? 
how, oh, old that's they, good. how old are they supposed to be? So See, and I ran with the what was this based on? And I looked it up and it was just based on like an amalgam of stuff Chris Carter had read about abductions. So that's oh, why okay. it's got like all the time loss and like the lights and the Yeah, because it basically hits all those points. Yeah, right. Definitely. It's the weird and the implant. So that's all stuff he had read from people's UFO stories. And I'm sure Benny and Barty Hill were like a huge part of that because they're one of the more famous abduction stories and they definitely had time loss and stuff yeah because it's got time loss it's got the marks it's got the implants it's got residue on the ground it's got the bright lights it's got the weird electronics and the cars losing their power and the stations going insane and changing panels and like like he he definitely like hit all those points in that yeah and that's i think kind of his goal was to kind of make it a generalized ufo story so that he could just take all these pieces from different parts of it and kind of use them yeah he definitely did that i mean and i gotta say like when that like you talked about like the you know the girl running through the woods and that kind of stuff that scene when then like the guy walks up and then they have the leaf flowing and the light comes up and they kind of like basically like almost like a star trek teleport away it's like that's definitely like i was like oh yeah i remember this there's yeah. definitely, you know, there's like, there's that key image that you see, especially the one they use later in the episode too. Um, mm-hmm, with him was, holding her up. With him holding we'll her up, there, yeah. But yeah, that is definitely so. a still that you would see all over the place. Yeah. So. Well, do you want to just do like a quick plot run through and then we can jump back in on the points as they go? Sure. In this episode, there is a dead girl in the woods. She's about 21, 22. Uh, she and, is 21, uh, according to Mulder. Okay. And then the authorities were like, it's happening again. These people are all class of 89. And so then it cuts to the FBI and Scully is assigned to work with Mulder on the X-Files because they want somebody to kind of keep track of him. And I mean, she even says like, am I trying to debunk the X-Files? And they don't necessarily say that, but like that is sort of her job is to kind of be like this overseer and kind of, basically create a paper trail that allows them to shut down the X-Files is the goal. And so she and Mulder go to Oregon to investigate these deaths. And there's these weird murders that keep happening in the woods and they go to investigate. And while they're investigating, they find some weird stuff. They have like some weird incidents happen and they incur the wrath of the local authorities which is pretty standard for the FBI and pretty much all media, regardless of what they're investigating. And then they basically sort of solve the case, kind of, but basically they're just trying to find out what's happening to these kids who are dying in the woods. Okay. And there's probably aliens. There's probably aliens. So we should probably, <laughs> probably aliens. yeah, so we should probably get into just like what are, I mean, it's the name of the show, right? But what are these X files that the FBI is wanting to shut down? Right. So the X-Files are kind of like it, it when Scully is introduced to being. So first of all, let's talk about the fact that Scully walks into this office and there is the cigarette smoking man. He's there. He's hanging mm-hmm. out. He does not say a single word at all. He just stands there and smokes. And I was like, I do not have any memory of him being in the series this early. So like that really kind of blew me away that he's in the pilot. He technically doesn't speak at all in this episode. He kind of like does like an off mic whisper mm-hmm. towards the end when they're watching the questioning of a character towards the end of the episode, but he actually doesn't speak at all. Yeah. He just is kind of a figure, but knowing who he is, you're just like, Whoa, 
for me, for some reason, I was surprised. And speaking of knowing who he is, that wasn't Skinner that she was talking to. No, it wasn't, which was weird because I definitely expected to see Skinner. And then you open the door and it's like, who's that guy? Who's this? Yeah, it is Division Chief Scott Belvins. Yeah. So he brings Scully in to basically keep tabs on Mulder and they can use her because she is the scientific mind, right? She will be able to find the flaws in his thinking and give proof to the fact that what he's on is a waste of time. Right. And a waste so of time and resources. So they can say, hey, we're not funding this anymore. And so that's basically her job is to come in and be like, hey, w- you know, I need a paper trail so that we can take away this budget and stop funding this dude who's sitting in a basement reading old UFO stories and investigating weird stuff. Although they do mention his credentials and I I was really impressed because I did not remember that Mulder had like helped catch a serial killer with his writing. I thought that was really cool that they established that he does have this history of obviously being very successful, which would make sense as to why they sort of allow him to do the x-files yeah well, he and he said and he says that later in the episode like his skills have given him the ability to actually delve into this stuff it's given right. him, you know kind of a license to go off to on side projects that they normally wouldn't probably have let and just any agent do yeah because he is he is so good at what he does he also mentioned from- some connection with congress which i wasn't really sure what that would mean but something about having connections that allow him to keep going so again like they clearly have to justify shutting down the x-files they can't just be like nope we're done so like that's kind of why scully's brought in and she her face when they tell her she's been working with Mulder is like perfect because it's just this she she definitely thinks she's being punished like you can just see on her face she's like really this is why i'm here i've worked really hard and now you're shoving me in the basement with this dude but she does seem to approach it like when she goes down to meet him she does seem to approach it pretty open-mindedly which i thought was good like she isn't there's a lot of criticism of Jillian Anderson's acting. I, when I was looking up stuff about this episode, a lot of people said she was too cold and too unrelatable and unlikable because she's a woman and she's not smiling all the time. But like, I really thought she was pretty, for someone who's skeptical and who's sent down to do this job she doesn't want, the character is very open-minded and very willing to kind of give it a shot and at least kind of see where it goes. Like, She doesn't seem like she's there just to shut down everything he says immediately (laughs) yeah well i mean and you know especially you know more so nowadays but saying like she seems cold and you know she's not smiling it's like i mean like misogyny keywords right there oh for sure so obviously i think scully is definitely and maybe not so much jillian anderson herself but just probably the way the character was written is definitely feeding off of that Clarice vibe from Silence of the Lambs, which mm-hmm. was in 1991, kind of a similar appearance, kind of that same kind of like those, those like those high level credentials of a FBI agent. I did like listening to this, her performance, and she and on honestly, I think she hadn't really done anything before that except for like some theater. Like she wasn't really like in movies or in television, right? Where like David Duchovny had been on twin peaks and like the red shoe diaries and that kind of stuff but her it almost seemed like she was dubbed did it i thought to me it felt like she was dubbed it felt it also reminded me a lot of sean young in blade runner just that kind of very 
like the delivery of the lines, especially in the first in the in the first parts of the episode when she'd be talking like the Mulder and like doing other things. It just seemed and maybe that was just like, you know, you're trying to get the feel of the character and she's supposed to be like, you know, the the cool, calculated, scientific mind. And so maybe that was a little more bringing that in, like and just kind of trying to keep that cool, calm, collected thing going on. But it just it, it almost felt like her lines were dubbed to me. Not necessarily huh. by someone else. No, but I know. That, what like you mean. they had, but they had gone back and dubbed them. Just kind of had that feel to me. Huh. See, and it's funny because like I'm pretty keen on that. Like I'm pretty when I'm watching stuff. Like audio discrepancies and stuff like that really do bother me, and so I tend to notice it. And when I'm watching like reality shows, I can always tell when they dub in a line. I'm like, that's not what they said. I didn't notice that at all with her. Um, that's not to say they didn't do it. If they did it, they did a really good job. No, and it was, <laughs> and, and there wasn't like any kind of like audio visual. Right, misalignment that was the cue it just was more in like the intonation yeah i think they were probably but i think they were probably directing her a lot to be more you know monotone be more serious um because that's her role and you know you can tell that she is she's supposed to be like this counterpart to Mulder, who is like really bombastic and kind of like coming up with these wild ideas and he has kind of more of an outgoing personality. And so she's supposed to be like the direct opposite of that. And I thought, I thought she did a really good job. I also thought he, I thought that they both did a good job and they definitely do have like on-screen chemistry, not necessarily romantic chemistry, but which, I mean, they might have that too, but I'm just saying like in terms of on-screen chemistry, I felt like they did the minute she walks into that office. Like I felt like it worked really well. And I thought that was a really good dynamic. Yeah, and his character, the character Mulder, knew she was coming, mm-hmm. and basically knows why she is coming. Like almost like you know, like he's got little, he's got his own little spies in the department telling them what's going on. Oh, for thing. sure. So, I actually wrote yeah. down Mulder's kind of a dick, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but I also, I also, my also, or my notes also say, but I also suppose Scully's probably not the first person that was assigned to like come in and and take these notes. And I'm, I'm guessing this has probably happened once or twice before. And maybe yeah. the person got fed up or wasn't able to write enough, a convincing enough report to kind of justify the dissolving the department or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and he wasn't actually, when I watched it again, so I watched it twice. And when I watched it again last night, he wasn't, he didn't strike me as much of a dick. He was just kind of like, I know why you're here. Here's the deal. There's these alien abductions. I got to tell you about this. We don't need to talk about your nonsense or whatever. So it wasn't as dickish as it seemed the first time. Yeah. But then he gets, but after that, he gets right down to business. He like, you know, pulls up those slides and is like, here's some photos and just goes at it. So Oregon female, age 21, and, you know, shows these obviously her like crime scene photos of her laying dead on the ground. Right. And is like, we're going to Oregon tomorrow. Make sure you get some sleep. And so they, they fly to Oregon. And like you said, they kind of meet with the locals of the small town. I don't think like it's that weird thing of like, it's a small town, but it's got its own mental hospital with like a lot of patients. And the coroner's office has like a head corner and at least two doctors that do autopsies. That seems a lot, but that's just me <laughs> being like, again like maybe it's two, a weird two, town two. in the woods they probably have a lot of <laughs> mysterious deaths yeah ufo but, run is probably just the latest monster they've got to have resources <laughs> yeah but with the exception of dr Nemin, both the head of the, the department and the other medical examiner 
are like happy to see them and like dude we started digging up the bodies already so let's get to it and then the other doctor shows up who had done all the previous autopsies and who had not seen anything odd in the autopsies so like the idea is that like this is the fourth death in a series the original coroner did the first three and did not note anything mysterious and it lists one person as having died of exposure and I think later they mentioned, like, he was in the woods for seven hours on a summer night. Like, how did he die of exposure? Kind yeah, because he, he had been in the mental institution. So these are all, these are all, again, we mentioned, you mentioned, like, they're all from the class of 89. So there's all these kids who graduated together. Right. Cohort, and they are dying. And, yeah, one escaped from, well, apparently three were in the mental hospital. One escaped and then, yeah, died after seven hours exposure on a summer night. So... Yeah, so is something going on? Yeah, so it's a little weird. And I also wanted to say real quick, too, on the plane, they have Scully kind of being scared of the turbulence. And I thought that was kind of her save the cat moment where, like, you see that she's a person and she's not just this evil, like, cranky scientist lady. Because, I don't know, I thought it was a good way to humanize her a little bit because they didn't, you don't get a ton of time, you know, on the show to humanize her. Right. So I thought that was really smart. Yeah. Well, we do get the scene later, but we'll, we'll talk about that. Later, yeah. But just yeah. in the beginning, because you always want to make sure that your protagonist is, like, not seen as the bad guy. <laughs> and I thought they did that really well. Apparently, she was supposed to have a boyfriend originally, and that was going to be, like, she was going to meet with the boyfriend after meeting with Mulder and stuff like that. And they cut that out, which is probably good, because I can't imagine that would have been worth the show minutes. I was going to say, yeah, because it would obviously have to take away from something else in the episode right. if they did that. So it's not just like, oh, they don't need that. It's like, what is that replacing in the episode? Right. And how, how important is that to really establish? I mean, you can do stuff a lot quicker. So I thought the plain shorthand was good. Yeah, so they're digging up the, the most recent death before the current one so they're digging up the third body right right ray soames right is the and kid. of course the strap breaks as they get the coffin up in the air and it rolls down a hill and the coffin lid is ajar <laughs> and it's so dramatic and then they get to the coffin and they look inside and what's inside does not look human which is creepy no. it's so creepy it looks so gross <laughs> I have to side with Scully because obviously they they get the body and then she's doing like a little like autopsy on it, right? And Mulder's walking around with a big old camera with a giant flash flashing in Scully's eyes. She's like, can you stop flashing that in my eyes? But she's doing it. It looks like a chimpanzee or orangutan. It does. It really does. It's, I mean, it's it's very white and gray. I don't know what color a decomposed orangutan or chimpanzee would be, but... It's, I mean, you just look at it, like, you look at the hands, you look at the feet, you look at the head. It's definitely an orangutan or a chimpanzee. Right. Which is what, which is what she says. And he's like, we got to get x-rays and we got to get a full blood work and we got to get, did he ask for DNA? You know, I don't remember him saying the words DNA and DNA was not really in the public consciousness. Right. That's what I was thinking. Cause yeah, it's about that time when it started. Coming in. Right. Well, because the OJ trial was like 95, and that's when DNA was really, really yeah. popularized to the, the public, or like. So. He probably just wanted like a full workup, and I just probably yeah. like assumed in my yeah. head that like, you said DNA. So, 
Probably should have maybe gone back and checked that before. I'm yeah, I didn't. I don't remember him saying DNA. He might have because they, you know, were using special science words to make it sound. Really yeah, but he definitely wanted like the full, like the works. We want to do everything. I want toxicology. I want x-rays. I want blood work. I want everything on this body. And what and we can't like, do here, we'll take to go is what he says, which is so weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I assume he meant like to whatever. Yeah, lines, right? I think that's what they meant too. It just sounded really, it's yeah. just him being brazen. And I thought it was funny for yeah. And she's like, are you seriously like believing that this is an alien? And he's like, he doesn't say exactly this, but basically he says like, we won't know until we find out. Right. Like, I have, I have doubts too, but we found this freaky body in someone's coffin who's supposed to be a kid. And we would be like remiss to not do everything we possibly could to find out what the hell is going on. Right. Exactly. And I mean, she does do it. You got to give her credit. Like she yeah. does do the x-rays and I'm sure they order tests. Although, you know, later the yeah, coroner's never, office is, yeah, it never comes to anything, but yeah, we never find out, but they have x-rays and they find something in the nasal passage, which then gets removed. Scully takes it out. And she mentions in her notes that it is a mutated mammalian. Okay. Body. So I didn't she catch does that. mention so she does mention that it's mute so it's not just a standard like it's an ape, it's a chimpanzee, it's an orangutan. It is some mutated version of something. So yeah, so we cut to the motel and she's looking, typing up her notes, and she's got that creepy little implant in a vial, and it's this little like metal cylinder with like a little rounded end. It's really creepy looking. I would not want that yeah. up my nose. It, it just, looks almost like the stuff like if you're gonna build your IKEA shelving, like you use that to attach yeah, the show to the thing. It does. That's it kind looks, of what it looks like. <laughs> that's exactly that is exactly <laughs> little, what it looks the little, like. The little the little lock stud things yeah yeah no that is 100 percent an accurate description and she's wearing a really cool oversized sweatshirt which i feel like looks good on her <laughs> that that's an important note that sweatshirt it's, it's a good look it's a good look and then Mulder comes by and he's like i'm gonna go for a run and she's like he's like have you figured out what that implant was and she's like no but i'm not losing sleep over it and then she shuts the door and she immediately starts staring at the x-ray she's definitely losing sleep over it you're a liar scully you are losing lots of sleep because <laughs> it's freaky i mean anyone would be freaked out by that it's <laughs> it's weird and then so then the next day they go to the mental hospital correct yeah yeah and we meet two of the other students uh, Billy Miles and I'm gonna admit that I forget what the it's girl's name is. Peggy, Peggy something. Okay, but, they were apparently like boyfriend and girlfriend is what I'm thinking. Right. So they were boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. He's comatose, basically like a vegetable. Although his eyes are open, so he's he's in a waking coma, is what they say. Which I've I didn't look up. I'm sure it's probably a real thing, but I didn't look okay. it up. And then she is in a wheelchair and is reading to them. And she is obviously there's there's something going on. There is some mental or something issue that she is also having. Yeah, for We're sure. Assuming based on whatever happened to them. Well, they were in a car accident. Okay, so it's not related to anything with the woods that ends up being re is a recurring theme with what is going on. It was that we know item. of. That we know of. Okay. But I th I think later it it kind of implies that that car accident was because of aliens. <laughs> Or whatever is going on. So, going on. I do have to say, there are repeated parts of this where, as someone who like believed hardcore in this shit 
when I was like in my 20s and may or may not. I Like I said, I don't remember exactly when I broke with that and realized like, what the hell am I doing? This is crazy. Like start thinking about what you're doing. I don't remember if that was going on when I was actually watching the X-Files. I mean, I've always been interested in this stuff, but I was actually like interested and a believer for a long time around my early 20s. So I'm not sure when the X-Files occurs, where that was in my history. But watching it now, there are multiple points in here where Mulder makes that jump of, we can't explain it, so it must be aliens. Like, <laughs> that's like, a, like okay, we can't explain it, I get it. It's kind of like what you, we talked about, like, with UFOs, right? Like, I don't know what that is. It is an unidentified flying object. That is what a UFO is. Right. But to make the jump of, I don't know what it is, it's got to be aliens. That's a big jump. It is a big jump. And you can tell, like, I think as we get to know Mulder, even in this episode, you do see, like, he's making these connections based on other stuff he's seen and read. But it does feel really, like, in the episode, you kind of see Scully's eyes roll back in her head a little because she is feeling like the viewer, like, where are you getting this? Like, these yeah. people were in a car accident. They're obviously, they've had some very horrible physical trauma and clearly this woman who's in this wheelchair reading to her comatose boyfriend has had some serious mental trauma because yes. of this horrible experience and then Mulder just jumps to UFOs but then the girl does kind of so she's reading and they ask to talk to her and they ask some question I can't remember what it was it's pretty innocuous well he says like can we get a medical evaluation of her okay that's what it was and she and she flips out her nose starts bleeding she starts knocking stuff all over the thing, and then she, like, falls out of her wheelchair. And I think we've been remiss because we haven't – I think we kind of mentioned. But all these individuals have two, like, welts, two little, like um, – almost they look like you got bit by a vampire on your butt, kind of. Yeah. On the back, just above, like, will be the right buttock, right? On the, the small of their back, they have these raised circular marks, two on them and they and they all have these marks she falls out of the wheelchair as they're going to pick her up her like like her they're basically scrubs she's basically wearing scrubs her her shirt comes up and you see she's got the two marks Mulder looks at scully scully looks at Mulder, and scully gets the hell out of the room and like yeah. leaves boom <laughs> takes off she's done yeah yeah, and I think um, we didn't mention, so the one thing that was left off the coroner report for the fourth or the first three victims was whether they had those marks. Right. And then the fourth victim, they had those marks, and it was a weird compound, right? Yeah, apparently around the, and it's hard to, like, when you're looking at them, they almost look like they're, like they're burn marks. Right. Because they don't look like, they're not like puncture marks. They're just like, they're like raised flat circles, basically, like little tiny like probably like the size of like a pea, I guess, right? Yeah. And there's two of them, but they're raised and they're flat and they're like, you know, reddish kind of color. And it almost implies like there's a chemical compound around them and all of them have had it. And apparently that compound is also found on people like in other locations who are not related to this cohort of people who graduated in 1989 in this small Oregon right. town. So. so it's happened nationwide and, and Mulder has documentation of this. Right. So, anyway, so Scully storms out. She's. I. This was weird because like I couldn't tell if she was pissed at Mulder for finding the marks, if she was pissed that he was right, or if she was just mad because I. I'm not. Or maybe she just wants to get out of there because she doesn't want to 
of yeah, said. Yeah, at first I kind of thought she was mad because he, like, in the process of helping her up, he intentionally lifts that girl's scrub up. Right, to, to see look if she for has the mark. some marks. It's not, yeah. it's not, I, the way I kind of explained it was like, oh, her shirt got lifted up and you see the marks. He does that on purpose. Right. So, because she, then she's like, how did you know she would have those marks? And, and they have their discussion outside. Yeah, and, and he's like, yeah. I didn't know. I just had to look. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of creepy in a way. but Right. But then, so so Mulder's like, aliens, aliens, aliens. And um, right. Scully's like, all right, you know what? We need to figure out what's going on here. These kids have all died in the woods. What are they doing in the woods? Let's go check it out. And so they go to the woods to kind of check out the scene. In the middle of the night, which is not maybe yeah. the best time to be looking for evidence in the woods with a flashlight. But yeah, I was okay. kind of trying to figure out the timeline because it felt like they went to the mental hospital in the morning and then all of a sudden they wait till it's pitch black to go into the woods to investigate which doesn't seem super smart to me and i'm not sure if maybe they just weren't allowed to be there and so they were trying to like sneak in or maybe something else came up and they didn't have time to get there until night i, I couldn't figure that out that bothered me yeah. a lot. so they're there at night got their flashlights scully finds some when she finds it, it looks like it's just like a, a small clearing of like some dirt. Right. And she scoops them up and puts it in her pocket. And then there's this noise and a bright light starts shining. Oh, creepy. I wonder if it's aliens. It's probably aliens. Nick, is it aliens? It's probably not aliens. Oh. It is Detective Miles. Ugh, I want a refund. I was promised aliens. Yeah. Well, I don't think we actually <laughs> find out that he's Detective Miles. We find out he is a sheriff detective. Right. And he's got a big old shotgun that he points at Scully. And so she pulls on him and is like, drop your weapon. No, you drop your weapon. Get out of here. No, we're doing an investigation. Mulder shows up, pulls his gun. Get out of here. No, we're doing something. You're not allowed to be here. This is private property. We're FBI agents. I don't care. Get out of here. Don't make me warn you again. Yeah, which the private property thing is actually like that is a thing that has hampered investigations before. Like there is a missing, there's a couple of missing person cases. Like people suspect the body is probably somewhere on this private property where like someone died of exposure, tripped over a line or something. And like because it's private land, they can't go in and like look and they need permission and so that is a thing that happens. Like it does hamper, you know, you can't just go to private property and look wherever you want. You have to have like a warrant or something. Yeah. And so it does, but it, it does beg the question of like, then how did they find the girl's body if it's private property? Right. I mean, I guess you could say like, well, the person who owns the property found it. There's obviously another answer that we'll get to later. But, yeah. And but it, it's that. also like the rainforest type woods. It doesn't look like something that's privately owned, but yeah, especially because we're like on the, I mean, I realize Oregon does have like, like wooded areas right up to the coast but like this is like a like a small coastal town in oregon and they've got yeah they've got like heavy duty forest right but obviously the kids go out to the woods all the time and party and stuff or at least used to so yeah <laughs> people are out there doing stuff and the sheriff is clearly patrolling and not happy that they're there so he kicks right. them out the bright they... the bright light was the gazillion fog lamps on his sheriff's pickup truck yes and the noise was apparently the gigantic engine that he must have in that thing that is just like yeah i don't what's he doing with that truck like <laughs> i don't know he's driving around this little tiny coastal town and this giant thing like yeah. what are you doing buddy? so yeah so they leave and 
like it starts torrential downpouring as they leave. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of raining a little bit. Like you don't even you don't even realize it's raining kind of when they're doing their search, but then like when the light starts coming up, you see like through the trees the light you can actually see like little drops of water coming down, but like it's not like they're wet or anything, right? And the ground's not really wet, but you kind of get the idea. Oh, it's kind of like sprinkling, kind of getting rain to rain. But when they're leaving, it is like torrential downpour. Yeah, it's raining really hard. And that is not fun to drive in, but they run to the car and they get in the car and they, you know, Scully tells them about the dirt she found and she pulls it out of her pocket, which it does look like just like ash or something. So it's yeah. weird. Um, and she does say like, maybe they're doing some, maybe they're in a cult. Maybe there's some kind of weird Satanic sacrifice rituals. going on. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> which was very eighties. I know this is early nineties, but the whole satanic panic, I mean, that yeah. does fit. Yeah. Um, and so then as they're talking about it, the, car radio starts to go kind of crazy and Mulder looks at his watch and it's 903. Right. And then there's a big bright flash. Yeah. And I guess we, again, we were remiss because this is not the first time they're driving and weird stuff starts to happen. <gasps> right. Oh my gosh. I forgot. So when they first get into town, they had that weird radio disturbance. Right. And he gets out and sprays paint an X on the road. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, nothing he's like don't worry this will pay off later yeah this is called like, a setup <laughs> yeah this is like yeah this is like you never know what's gonna happen this might yes. help yeah so that's when they first get in town their radio goes kind of crazy yeah the radio goes kind of crazy while they are searching in the woods Mulder has noticed that like the compass is doing the spinning thing right like he was looking at right. his compass and it's spinning around they're driving in the car like you say the radio starts acting weird again his compass is also spinning he looks at his important he looks at his digital watch and it says 903 and then there is a big flash of light and we get the like oh oh like you know scene of each of them and then the car is driving and it comes to a stop the car is dead won't start kind of just rolls to a stop the lights are off nothing's yeah. happening inside won't it. start nothing like first he looks at his compass and the compass is still doing its spinny spinny thing and then he looks at his watch, and it's 9-12. Right. He jumps out of the car <laughs> and is like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Oh, holy wow. And she comes out and like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, Mulder, what is going on? This is, this is not how you drive what's going on with the car and, like, why are we outside in the rain? And he is, like, elated, and he's, as he's walking down the street, they don't walk very far, but he does take a few steps away from the car and he sees the X that he had made on the side of the road. Yep. And he just like puts his hands in the air and he's like, yes, yes. He's so excited. I actually, my notes are just like, he is so elated. Yeah. He is completely. Which I didn't take. <laughs> like he's excited because it proves his theory, right? That there is something, right. that there is something going on. And that, and then they talk about the whole missing time thing. And what I thought they were going to do is like, like we've got missing time because we got abducted. Yeah, and they. But that is, well, and not everyone who loses time gets abducted. But yeah, okay. it does kind of feel like they're going to go that way. Yeah, and then it's just and they don't. They don't even address it. Although what was funny is I really loved like he's talking about how they lost nine minutes and he's telling her and Skelly's like time can't disappear. It's a universal invariant. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that is. I mean, it's. And then he's like, not in this zip code. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because <laughs> it, because they treat it like like it's actually a manipulation of time, not that like we blacked out for nine minutes. Right, more that it's, time has it been totally treated as time has been affected. 
time has been compressed right. or stretched or whatever you want to say to it. It's not like we were unconscious for nine minutes. What the hell happened? It's definitely. Right. Yeah. No, that's not how it's treated. It is treated very much like time was collapsed upon itself or something yeah. for those nine minutes. And so they just don't exist. Yeah. And it is funny because earlier in the episode, <laughs> it mentions the Scully did like a senior thesis on Einstein. Yeah. So. With physics and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and he's like, you know, in my investigations, the laws of physics usually don't apply. So they're definitely playing up that aspect, which to me is like, that's like the bigger stretch aspect as opposed to like if you're if you're playing up the whole like these are alien abductions is like we just got abducted for nine minutes is what it seems a more rational as opposed to like the laws of physics have been manipulated and time compressed for nine minutes but right but that's definitely not where they go and i don't think that's where you're supposed to go either (laughs) although although that's right because then they get back to the hotel yeah and scully's typing her report up about you know you know, there's no specific evidence of what's going on. Mulder thinks time has been dilated and da 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 da. And then the power goes out. And apparently her laptop was running on like a wall outlet. So no more. Yeah, it no did more not typing. have a battery. Yeah, no more typing. So. She, you know, but I bet it had Microsoft Encarta. Like, probably. I bet it was. Well, and this was old school. And, and this is, I mean, this is accurate. I remember, like, it's the black screen and the letters are like white or green or whatever on the, on the laptop she's typing. Oh yeah. So, so she decides she's going to take a bath because there's no power. There's lots of convenient candles. So she lights some candles. She's going to take a bath and she starts to take her clothes off and she feels something on her back. Yeah. And she looks really panicked, which I mean, honestly, like no matter how skeptical you are, you're in the woods, it's pouring rain. You've had this weird, Weird night. You've had someone threaten you with a gun already. You're working with this guy who believes aliens are behind everything. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, you, you've had these weird bodies. Stuff has been weird. You've had a weird couple days. Yeah. And then you, like, feel your back and you feel these weird bumps that feel very similar to the weird bumps on these alien abductees. And obviously, that's not a happy feeling. No. Like, you don't... It's so, not she, good... so she shows up at Mulder's door and he's got a candle, too, because apparently... This happens a lot, so everyone's got candles. Well, this motel, that yeah, they have candles just ready for you. Yeah. That's good. They thought ahead. Yep. And she's like, <laughs> I, need for you to, I need for you to look at something. So she takes her robe off, and he's kind of like, very professional. He's not like, hey, what's going on here? You're in your underwear. You know, he's like, okay. And then looks down, and he sees, notably, he sees three marks. Right. Not two. He sees three. And he tells her, he starts laughing a little, and then he's like, they're mosquito bites. They ate me up, too. And she's so relieved. It's She even hugs him. I mean, she's so yeah. relieved. She's like, oh, thank God. They do not look like mosquito bites. No. They look, ex- they, they look they exactly don't. like the bumps that everybody else has, except she has three of them. She's got, like, the two that would be theirs, and then she's got an extra one off to the side. But I think that's literally just the makeup to ramp up tension. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah I get it. But but it is silly because I've had a million mosquito bites. Mosquitoes love me for some reason. Yeah. And it's if mosquito worst. bites look like that, she had been scratching the shit out of those mosquito bites. Oh, yeah. Because those were so hard. Although maybe she was. Like, maybe she was at the computer typing and she was just like mindless, scratching like away back scratching there. away and then didn't think about it. So she like, was like, oh, wait. What, and then she those? was... Yeah. She's like, wait, oh God. <laughs> but anyway, so Scully does not have the doom marks, which nope. is good because 
Uh, they start talking about Mulder, and he gives a little bit of his backstory. I guess coming to his motel in her underwear has unlocked mm-hmm. his backstory a little. And he starts talking about how when he was a kid, his sister vanished out of her bed, and they don't really know what happened. And so his, you know, it just kind of tore his family apart because they, yeah, yeah tore his family. No apart. one wanted to talk about it, right? And so this part was weird for me because I. I remember the Mulder sister abduction story and I know it comes up in later episodes, but in the, in the story that I remember they're playing Stratego. And so they're like playing a board game and there's lights and she disappears. And he does say in the original version, he tells Scully, he tells her that she just vanished out of her bed. Right. And then he does mention being hypnotized and bringing back some memories of like a light and him being paralyzed and unable to help her while she was crying for help. Yeah. So that is, but it doesn't kind of specify if they were playing the game. So I think the game is probably a retcon that comes in later. Right. But when I was watching this episode, I definitely was like, wait, that's not how that happened. How do I remember <laughs> this better than you, Mulder? You lived it. But I think that's like that's a retcon that comes in. Hypnosis and reconstructed memories. <laughs> Very susceptible to suggestion. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is true. But anyway, so he tells us to Scully. Yep. And then what, ha- I forget what happens next. Oh, they get a phone call. Yeah, they get the phone call that says that Peggy, the the woman who yeah. had been in the wheelchair, like, Hello? was dead. Who is this? What? What? And then they obviously hung up. And he's like, Peggy something is dead. Oh, my God. So they drive out. Apparently, she ran in front of a truck and got hit. Yeah. Well, first, so like Scully went and put clothes on. She didn't just go out in her underwear well, to investigate a crime scene. I feel like that's important well, to mention. Yeah, I would. Well, I mean, <laughs> she's a professional. Mulder was in his pajamas. He was in like a t-shirt and pajama bottoms, I believe, or like sweatpants or something. So I mean, he, right? I mean, no, they both got dressed. Yes, there was there was a time in between. Yes. So they went and got dressed, <laughs> jump in the car, head out. So she had apparently run out in front of a big truck. Truck hit her. She's dead. Yeah. And so it's filmed on a highway, and it's dark. I can't remember if it's still raining. It's kind of wet, though. Yeah, I think it's more of that, like, sprinkling. Like, like it, it had there. been wet, and then may have had, like, that light sprinkle action going on. But lots of, because it's dark, so lots yeah. of lights, because there's, like, you know, police lights and car lights and big truck lights and what have you. Scully looks. They've already got her, like, totally outfitted with, like, a breathing tube and a neck brace and all that kind of stuff. So maybe she died after the paramedics showed up. That would make sense. Because otherwise, why would you do that if she was already dead? Right. And Scully looks at her hand and she sees her watch and her watch is the crystals all cracked. She's got an analog watch. The crystals all cracked and it stopped at 903. Right. Which doesn't actually, which actually doesn't get acknowledged until a little bit later. Right. So first they're just like, what is she doing running around out here? Like she's in a wheelchair. How was she running? Yeah. And people would let's just real quick make this clear. People who use wheelchairs can sometimes walk or run. Sometimes they only use wheelchairs part time. And, you know, being in a wheelchair doesn't mean that you're incapable of those things, but it is pretty established. And she well, and she also somehow got out of the mental institution and got all the way out right. to the woods, whether on foot or well, in a wheelchair. And then Right. And so, and it's established kind of early when they see her in the hospital, she kind of falls out of a wheelchair and can't really, it's, it, it kind of looks like maybe she can't walk long distance, yeah, or even like, if she could. Yeah. Again, yeah. how did she get out of the institution? How did she get out to the road? Why was she running across the road in the first place, regardless of whether, you know, so it's just a weird, it doesn't make sense that she should be out there yeah, at all. And it's almost like she was, I mean, when they were in the mental hospital, it's almost like she was possibly like seizing 
Like she was maybe yeah. having a seizure because she like starts freaking out. Her nose bleeds, and then like it's tr- like she's trying to get out of the wheelchair. She falls out yeah. of it. And, yeah. So they are so they are at the crime scene. They are at Peggy's crime scene. Scully has just looked at the watch, and Mulder gets a call that someone broke into the coroner's office and stole all the results and the body. Right. Yes. So he's like, what the hell? Then they race back to the motel and their motel is on fire. Right. And Scully is upset. She's like, there goes my computer, which I felt that in my soul. (laughs) I was like, of course. Yes. But also all the evidence, the x-rays, everything, gone. Right, right? and Mulder's more upset about that, for sure. Yeah. He's like, oh, God, all our evidence. No. Yeah. And then in the midst of his, like, every time kind of, like, exasperation, mm-hmm. he sees. What's her name? Nemin. Teresa Nemin, the daughter. The of, daughter of the coroner guy. So Teresa Nemin shows up. She's the daughter of the medical examiner who had been hiding evidence and we've met her previously because when he shows up at the exhumation of the body early in the episode, she's like, daddy, can we just go? Can we just go? And he's like, what are you people doing? How dare you make these accusations against me? And she's like, can we just go? She's very upset and distraught and they eventually leave. So it turns out she's the one who called Mulder. So she knew Peggy was dead. Right. And she comes up to them and she's like, you have to help me. You have to protect me. Right. She's freaked out, which is fair. So they go to like a no name, like Denny's basically like a little diner kind of thing. And she's telling the story about how they all went to high school together. And that they're all dying and that no one can protect her. She has the marks too. She's afraid. And that they're like, we'll protect you. And then her nose starts bleeding. Right. Which apparently was a really hard special effect to get right. And they ended up using like a makeup effect to kind of make it happen. Because they thought about shoving this capsule up her nose. But then they would have to time it perfectly. Mm. (laughs) So I'm not. They did some kind of weird like makeup trick to make that happen. But it was effective. It looks bleedy and gross. It worked. Very sudden. And a lot at once. Yes. And Scully jumps up to get her some like napkins because apparently the table they're sitting at has no napkins. So she's got to go to another table to get napkins. And then the detective comes in along with her father, medical examiner. And like, yep. you need to come with us. We'll protect you. And we find out that the sheriff's detective is Billy Miles' father. He's Detective yes. Miles, Billy Miles' father. Yeah. So we, Which is, you know. So we find all these connections. And we didn't talk about this before, but when we first meet Billy Miles, you realize that he's a dude that's standing in the field in the very beginning, in the woods. Did you? Because I didn't. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's him. Oh, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't think that at all. No. It's cause you, cause, well, he has that distinctive hair. He's got that profile. He does have the hair. Yeah. It didn't It didn't hit me that way, though, because I still, because they blur him out so much, and it's kind of yeah. hard to tell. It may have also been too, like, some, like, having seen this before, some, like, hidden, like, recollection like oh that's right he's the one who's doing it that you know right. it may have been which that. might have been because it's not i didn't i definitely didn't think that so yeah but when we, when we first see him in the bed i'm like oh he's he was in the woods 
but anyway, yeah. But yeah, so we find out that he's the father of the medical examiner is the father of the daughter. The sheriff detective is the father of the son. And these kids all, like, the, these are apparently the only underage people in the entire town. Well, they're, they're technically not underage people. But they're all, like, 21 or 22 at this point. Right, because they graduated high school in 89 because they're all class of 89. And right. During her, when she is telling Mulder and Scully, she's talking about how, like, they had some kind of graduation party and mm-hmm. they were out in the woods drinking. And that's when they first saw the light. So, clearly, this is something that's been happening for a couple of years. Right. And then, like, they take her. And my thought was, like, dude, she's, like, 21. She could be, like, no, I'm not going with you. I'm an adult. But Yeah, it is. She does act really young. I think it's also partly, like, it's her dad. You don't yeah. want to. I don't know. It's and he does try to protect her, but it's just but, yeah. But she is. Weird. But she has verbally explained like he can't protect me. Right. They're asking her like and she knows that. Like your dad knows what's going on, doesn't he? And she's like, yes, he does. It's like, why is he doing that? And he's like, because he thinks he can protect me. And she's like, I'm gonna die, aren't I? I'm next. And they're like, no, yeah. you're not gonna die. And then right when they like right when they say like, no, you're not gonna die, you'll be fine. That's when boom, like her nose explodes. And right. So they take her away and then I actually don't remember what happens next. Okay. So what happens next? They leave the diner and they start talking and he mentions like, you know, they're like, oh, wow, that's Billy Miles' father. And they mentioned something about lost evidence. And Mulder says like, makes you wonder what's in those other two graves. So then they go to the cemetery. That's right. Okay. Yep. They go to the cemetery and both the graves have been dug up. Yeah, so, fun story. Apparently, the key grip on this episode fell into one of those graves and broke his leg, which is not funny, but that's got to be, funny. like, you're filming a show, and you're like, we've got 14 days to do this, everything's wet, <laughs> they're, they're making it rain, fake rain, in Vancouver, which doesn't really need fake rain, and then you slip and fall into one of these graves and break a bone, that's got to be... Not a fun story, but <laughs> as they say, every tragedy is a comedy unless it happens to you. True, so. but anyway, he's okay. So I, I'm sure his name was Rick Allen, by the way. But okay. he did break his leg on one of those graves. Yeah. So the graves have been, and they and they haven't been, been like you know like grave digger dug up. They were definitely like excavated because they are like the clean. Like we mm-hmm. had like the backhoe, we dug the graves up. The dirt and all the stuff is still there. Totally, graves are totally empty. Right. So what is going that's, on? And yeah, and that's when Mulder's kind of like, oh my gosh, I know what's going on. He's like, this fits a profile. And Scully's like, this fits a profile? Yeah. This? Which, you know, I'm with Scully. It does not fit a profile. And he says, Billy's been killing everybody. Yeah, he says, Billy Miles, the kid in the waking coma. And of course, Scully's skeptical because the kid is in a waking coma. Seems like he probably can't do a lot of murder. That's a pretty good alibi for murder. In fact, there's an episode of Monk. I believe <laughs> where like a guy puts himself in a coma somehow to like have an alibi for this murder anyway, which that's what that made me think of. <laughs> when you've got the whole, like, you know, like the some, some, how do you say that word? Somnimobilism. I don't know that word. It's, it's the cabinet of Dr. Caligari where it's like, you keep someone almost like, almost, it's almost kind of zombification. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Somnimobilism. But it's like, basically like you're, you're, you're asleep. And it's almost like sleepwalking sort of thing. And okay. so you can like commit crimes yeah. while you're sleepwalking, like almost like hypnotize them. That kind of thing. It kind of has, it kind of has that little bit of tradition, especially with the creepy, like I'm in a waking coma. So my eyes are open the whole time. People are talking to me like, yeah, he's totally a killer. Okay. So yeah. So Mulder's like, he's doing it. So 
new day. They go back in the daytime. So we've got another day that has passed in this investigation. And they go back to the mental hospital. And they're talking to Billy's nurse. And she's basically like, if he blinks, I know about it. So he's not running around the woods killing people. Yeah. She doesn't say that because they don't tell her the actual theory. No. And then a motor's like, you empty his bedpan? And she's like, no one else is going to do it. And he's like, you haven't noticed anything odd about them lately, have you? And she's kind of like, like, she's almost going to say something like, well, now that you mention it. But at that time, Scully, like, lifts up the sheet over his feet. And his feet are dirty. Oh, they're filthy. They're filthy. They're filthy feet. Yeah. And it's like, if you're the nurse and this kid consistently has, like, crazy dirty feet, like, wouldn't you? Yeah. I feel like you would be noting that. And maybe they're also it's one very, of those They're also very hairy feet, which I'm going to be like, I mean, I have hairy feet, too. So, but they are very hairy. And they are very dirty. Yeah. I just wonder, like, is someone, what is going on with this nurse? Why is she not making a note that his feet are consistently? Well, apparently they don't bother, <laughs> like, they don't, bo- they like just, like, stick a bedpan under him and then take it out. And, like, <laughs> like, don't move him to keep bed That's sores or whatever. That's not how that works. That's you know, he just, he's, all, he's always in that bed in that same position. They don't move him. Yes. No one's giving the poor whatever. guy a sponge bath. No wonder no. he's getting up and killing people. No, like, he's just he's, he's in a coma. He's always like that. He never moves. That's how it works in television and movies. I guess so. Yeah, you don't move at all. <laughs> yeah. No bed sores. No, you know, there's a hole in the bottom of the bed for the bedpan. It's all, you don't have to touch him That's at all. That's it. Yeah. So, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. But no, Scully. This is a terrible up. hospital. Never <laughs> send your family there. Yeah. Scully flips up the sheet, looks at his dirty ass feet. And then she's, like, scraping stuff off. She's getting, like, some stuff off the bottom of his feet. And it's like she's digging some stuff out of his toenails. And then they're, like, she's, like, why? What what is she doing now? Oh, nothing. Tell me about the bedpan or whatever. And then they, boom, they leave. And apparently the stuff on his feet is exactly the same stuff that was on the ground that is now burned up in the hotel because Kelly left it in there. Right. So it's the stuff she found in the woods, the weird, like, ashy stuff. And she is adamant it's the same stuff. Right. Definitely. So they go in the hallway and she's like, holy crap, this kid is the one doing it. Like, she's ready to, like, fly back to D.C. and go, we've solved it. And Mulder's like, huh, okay, but you're the one who has to write that in your report. And she's like, oh. Yes, we kind of flipped the script and he's like, we need evidence. Well, he's not like, he's got evidence. (laughs) Right. He's fine. I think he's like. You're going to have to write this. And she's like, oh, then I need evidence because I'm not writing this without proof. Right. But it's like we need we need to do tests. So we can't do tests right. that are going to be that are going to mean anything unless we have something to compare them to. So we're right. going to go back to the woods. Right. So they go back to the woods to get another sample yep. of the stuff so they can compare it to the stuff on Billy Miles' feet and prove he's the one who is out there killing his classmates. Yep. As part of some weird possible satanic cult or something we don't know yeah no one knows it's kind of weird yeah that is being covered up by the parents apparently because the parents seem to know something they definitely know something's going on and so and uh, yeah it's weird it's so weird i would love to like have a whole episode just trying to figure out what these people's motivation is like yeah yeah definitely (laughs) why are you covering this up this makes no sense exactly yes i actually have a note that specifically that says exactly what is Neiman's motivation for protecting Billy Miles? Because obviously he knows that it's Billy Miles, right? Because he, right. he's in cahoots with Billy Miles' dad. They know what's going on. And his daughter is like next on the list of people who's probably going to die. But he's like, oh, well, I'm not going to tell anybody what's going on. 
I'm just going to have to sacrifice my daughter for this. So like, what is going on with this? But anyway, anyway, so they go back to the woods to get this sample and they see the detective's truck is there. Well, and again, they wait till nighttime because for some reason they feel, I guess, because this time they probably don't want to get caught. So I guess that does make sense. But again, I've been in really dark woods at night a lot, and it's not good for finding things. No, especially especially if you don't. Well, I mean, especially the first time, they have no idea what they're looking for. Right. At least now they kind of can aim their flashlight at the ground. Yeah, they kind of know the location. Yeah. So anyway, they go back at night. Yep. The detective's truck is there, and they head into the woods. And I know at some point, like, they get separated, and they hear a scream, and... Mulder like runs to the sheriff and sees the sheriff and he's got his gun and he's like get out of here blah 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 and Mulder's like you're gonna let that kid kill the girl like yeah. you're gonna well, let before, your son well, kill before the girl? that Scully's like walking through the woods looking for the thing and she gets whacked boom oh she does get whacked in the head yeah. hits her with a shotgun boom. right which ow yeah man she looks up and it's him and then he like walks away and then we see Mulder and then we start to see the bright. The, I think we start. I think we start seeing the the light is what's going on. Okay. So Mulder's following the light, and then he sees the sheriff like come up again, like in the silhouette. And it's like, what's going on? Because they've heard the scream. He's like, he's going to kill that girl. Why don't you do anything? Yeah, and the, it's weird because like, so this is where again, I would love to know like what the motivation is because like he does. At at this point, like, he knows his son has clearly been involved. Mm-hmm. And he does at that point, like, he's in the woods with a gun. And you don't know what he was planning to do originally. So maybe this was his plan the whole time. But he does. They do walk over to where Billy is with Teresa. And he does aim the gun at Billy. And so you think, oh, my gosh, she's going to shoot his son to keep him from yeah, killing him. At this point, Teresa's on the ground. And Billy is standing over her. Right. I think he's, oh, well, he might be he might be actually crouched down or he's standing and then he crouches down like he's right. about to like lift her up. So she was already like laying there for some reason, whether he brought her there. Well, or... and she had screamed. So maybe he likes hit her on the head or something. Yeah. I don't know. And her father, because like when Mulder says, like, are you going to let her kill that girl? The dad kind of like just turns around and walks. So like whether that was something that made him like realize I got to do something or whatever. Right. Or maybe he was already going to do that. Who knows? Yeah. So he shows but... up. He lines up the shotgun to shoot the kid. We're assuming he's going to shoot the kid, right? And then Mulder tackles him. Shotgun goes off. And Scully hears the shot, and she kind of moves towards it, but she's too far away to see what's happening. Mm -hmm. And then this scene was really weird. Like, the first time I watched it, I really didn't know what had happened. Like, I was confused in terms of, like, well, we'll get to it. So, basically, this is part of why I watched it again. So, he holds (laughs) up the girl, and the light comes down, and it's spinny, and there's leaves spinning Mm -hmm. everywhere. And it's like a CGI windstorm. And then, like, the light kind of goes out, and Billy becomes aware again, and Teresa kind of wakes up, and she's fine. And Billy, like, says, hey, Dad, Dad, like, he, he's he's aware now, and he's no longer in a waking coma. But it was really unclear to me, like, why Teresa didn't die. And I guess maybe, like, whatever is going on, the aliens or the experiment's clearly over. But it just seemed really weird that, like, that was okay. Yeah, because because in the opening shot of the of this episode, we see like the girl's running, and she's running from someone or something, right? And she trips and right. she falls, and she's laying on the ground. And then there's the bright light, and she looks up, and like from the silhouette of the bright light, we see the silhouette of what we 
Dusty is like Billy's haircut. And he walks over to her, but he's kind of like very blurry and kind of glowy. And then he stands over her as she's laying on the ground. We get that whole like the bright like spotlight, the, cir- the circular leaves. And then it gets super bright. And then, boom, they're gone. Right? The light's gone. The leaves have fallen to the ground. And they are gone. Mm-hmm. And the next thing we get is that they're turning her dead body over in the woods. But right. we don't know, like, if that's, like, is that location where her body was? Because they disappeared. Right. So we don't so know don't the know exact location. The aliens are like, there's other people here. We're not taking you. We're done with this. I mean, I don't. It's very unclear why they survived to me. And it didn't seem to make a lot of sense because obviously the implants is what was driving them out to the woods is what was driving Peggy to run in front of that truck is what was driving Teresa to, you know, have a nosebleed and probably go with her dad because it probably yeah, hurts the, or something. Cause the first death in the photos when they turn her over, cause she's, she's found laying face down right? and they flip her over and she's got a nosebleed. Right. right? So there's something going on with, those so there's the nosebleeds, and then we find out, like, Teresa has a nosebleed. When Peggy is found, I mean, she got hit by a truck, but she also has, like, blood coming out of her nose. And she had, right. had, she had had the nosebleed in the mental hospital when she kind of, like, freaked out. Right. Teresa had got a nosebleed. Teresa's got – she her eyes are kind of, like, bruised. Not necessarily, like, like she got punched, but, like, were they supposed to be, like, dark, haggard circles or something? She's definitely got, like, some – purpling around her eyes yeah and then got a nosebleed again uh billy never has a nosebleed no but I, it is kind of implied that the implant is driving him out right there well, and... when he specifically says because then he's like like you said he's like dad and they like emb- they do embrace right like i think so and, and then we cut to billy in like a shirt but button-up shirt in what is basically an fbi interrogation room yep and basically corroborating Teresa's story of like we had the trip after we graduated, and yeah, we some... were having a graduation celebration in the woods, and we were drinking, and then the lights came, and and he was put in charge. So they like the aliens or whoever the light. He just calls it the light, right? right. It's always the light. The light controlled him. The light basically subcontracts him to repeatedly bring everyone else to the location for the experiment. Right, and then he's in the waking coma, presumably so that he can do this without anyone right. either questioning or without any... Or that's just some weird side effect of him being under the or, control yeah. or something. We have no idea. Yeah, we don't know. But he does mention, like, they put something in his head and he touches the spot over his nose. Yeah, he actually touches, like, his forehead, like, up between his eyes. Which, I mean, the navel cavity does go up pretty high. Yeah, which... But, yeah. Yeah, but ouch, yeah. ouch. Oh, and he says just, they control oh. him. Anyway. But then they they decided the experiment was a failure? I guess. Well, and, and that's why they were, presumably, that's why these people were dying. And so whether it was a result of the experiment not working or a result of them going, well, this isn't working. Let's get rid of the evidence. Yeah, it, it's not really clear. Yeah, it sounded to me, I kind of, and it may just be, again, like just interpretation. It sounded to me like it was like the experiment was a failure. We're going to get rid of all the evidence almost kind of thing yeah that's well and then that's sort of why like well then why are they still alive though <laughs> right yeah. why didn't they take them like not that i'm glad i'm glad that Teresa neman is fine and is presumably going to live a long life in her small coastal oregon town hopefully solving these cryptid mysteries that seem to crop up every three maybe, days yeah i mean maybe, you know maybe she becomes <laughs> the new like the local X-Files. there's a spinoff yeah 
It's like Veronica Mars meets X-Files. Someone buy it for me. There you go. <laughs> but anyway, so that happens. And then, so he's talking and Mulder's in the room with him. And Scully's in the room behind the window in the interrogation room. But we're assuming it's one-way glass. Yeah, the one-way glass, yeah. Um, And the cigarette smoking man is in there smoking a cigarette, which seems really inconsiderate in a small space with other people. Well, but I mean, it, it's the early 90s. I mean, like nowadays, he wouldn't be allowed to smoke <laughs> in like the FBI offices at all. So, I mean, I think he still would, though. I feel like he wouldn't care. But the point is, that's not a nice thing to do. Don't smoke in enclosed spaces with other people who are captive. It's not nice. Really establishing him is not a good guy. (laughs) I'm an asthmatic, so people smoking near me is not fun. Anyway, tangent. So she's in there with him and he just kind of like, like you said, he has that weird off mic whisper thing where he whispers in someone's ear and leaves. Yeah, I think he's with. And, I think he's whispering to a division chief, Belvins, at that point. I think. I'm okay. not sure, but yeah, it might be Belvins. But they all, Belvins was in the- yeah, but they all leave, and as they leave, as they go out the door, it's almost like there's almost like like did they make noise when they left, or is Mulder just like he knows they left because he turns and looks at Scully, and I think it's obviously like it's a it's a one way mirror, right? It's like right. they're watching, but like because she looks at him like almost that kind of like how do you know? what's going on back here kind of thing. Right. So he just has that sixth sense of, I don't know. Yep. And so we go back to Belvin's office. Yep. And Scully is there with, there's, there's the other, the other guy is there, but not the cigarette smoking man. No, he's not. There is another FBI agent who was also usually there in the discussions. Yeah, and they're like, well, we read your report. It sounds pretty implausible to me, aliens. Yeah. And Scully's like, well, I didn't see aliens. And they're like, yeah, this is all about what you didn't witness. This is a terrible report. It's not helping us at all. Yeah, what did we send you to do? You <laughs> totally failed. You did not do your job. And then she does give them the vial with the um, implant that she had kept. Apparently, she had kept Ray Soames's implant. Yeah, she'd had she'd it, had in, it in her pocket when the motel was on fire. And so she puts that on the desk and she ends up leaving the office. And as she's leaving, she passes cigarette smoking man in the hall. You see him. Well, you see him go into the office and then you see him walking down a hall, like a long corridor of like storage shelves. So, yes, like you said, like Scully sees him go in the office, kind of looks, turns and keeps walking. And the next thing we see is him walking in this dark area full of like shelving with boxes and he pulls a box out, and then he pulls a little, like, acrylic clear contraption out, opens it up, slides out a sort of like a test tube holder, I guess. It's not really a test tube holder, but sort of. And yeah, there are similar. And there are several different colored containers that match the container that Scully had given to Belvins, and he plops it into the open slot. Some of them are kind of like like the they've all got the same like implant device in them some of them are bloody yeah the one that she has is clean he puts it in there closes the thing back up puts it back in the box slides the box back on the shelves and then we get this big pullback scene that is very reminiscent of raiders of the lost ark where we find out there's just rows and rows and rows of these super high shelves like there must be like a scissor jack or something that they use to get all the stuff on the shelves and he's just walking. He opens up a door, closes it. It's a very nondescript door that basically says, like, know your fire exit. Well, and it's also in the Pentagon. Yes, is it is in the you. Pentagon. Yes, because there's a map of the Pentagon. Yeah. Yes. 
Right. It's like these are your exits. And so they are no longer at FBI headquarters. Very important. Swipes his pass, door locks, walks away, end scene. Right. So this is a giant storage room of presumably really interesting stuff that Mulder would probably kill to get into. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's where the episode ends. And it's, it's really. Ah, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Anyway, so we can talk about the whole episode. But yeah, it was just, I thought that was a really effective because it's creepy because like there's all these other implants. So clearly this is something he's seen before, which, ew. Well, and also, I mean, there are rows and rows. Like this is one little, like if you've ever been to Ikea, right? And there's like the right stuff, but there are like racks and racks and racks of these boxes, large boxes, small boxes that are, you assume are just full of stuff that are right. much like the Raiders of Lost Ark. You know, they, they box up the Ark of the Covenant, put it in the warehouse, stamp it with the U.S. government symbol, and then you realize that there's like a whole warehouse, gigantic warehouse full of other things that are boxed up and created. And you're like, what is in there? Same idea. Right. Maybe even the same room. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Ooh, crossover. Yeah. I mean, it's undoubtedly where the idea for this room came from. was from the Raiders. Probably, Ark. yeah. So, I would not be surprised. But yeah, so that's the episode. I do think they adequately set up the premise of the X-Files as a series in this episode. Oh yeah, 100%. That was actually, so my biggest takeaway from the whole thing is how X-Files it is. Yeah. (laughs) Which, I mean... But that and that's what a pilot is supposed to do. It's supposed to say, "Here's the premise. Here's here are the characters. Here's what's going on." But it was so just quintessentially everything that the X Files does become that it really is effective as a pilot. Like it is. Here's Mulder. He believes. Here's Scully. She doesn't. Here's this creepy guy who smokes a lot, and he clearly knows more than he is saying or is willing to let on. He clearly knows more than they do and he's on a higher level of clearance or whatever so i thought it was really good i thought it was really well done and i really liked how it just set everything up and it was very clear like this is what the show is going to be yeah and it's kind of it's kind of hard a little bit to distinguish it's difficult to go back in time and not have all the things that have come since the x-files in your head while you're watching this episode like when I, like when we first right. started, I asked you like like you talked about like that I, the iconic scene and like and like we didn't even mention like the iconic scene we talked about that you would see in like all the photos of the X Files after the episode is that picture of Billy in his like apparently after he left the hospital he decided to go shirtless because he took his shirt off and was just like in his like you know mental hospital pajama bottoms and is holding Teresa in the middle of that swirling circle all lit up like a UFO is like getting ready to beam them up. And that's like the iconic right. image you get from that. He's like holding her like creature of the lagoon style. Like she's just like, you know, unconscious in his arms and he's holding her up. So they definitely hit all those ticks. But there are so many things in this that it's like, how much of this, like we talked about, you know, Chris Carter kind of making an amalgamation of things in this episode, like, you know, gathering all like the the hardcore like UFO tropes of, you know, the the lost time and the bright lights and the, the marks on the body and the implants and all that kind of stuff. It's almost hard to separate like what he built in the X-Files and then what other people have 
basically used based on what he built on the X-Files. Oh, totally. 100%. Because, like, some of this stuff is like, yeah, those are iconic images. Of course he used these iconic images. And, you're, and it's hard to separate, like, okay, well, how many of those are, are iconic images because he used them, and in the last 27 years, everyone else has used them as well. So... Right, but you have to remember stuff came before, like Close Encounters. And, yeah, you know there were. Definitely... I mean, and he like he loved. I mean, it, it says like he was a fan of Kolchak the Night Stalker as a series. Yeah, and of the Twilight Zone, and he and then obviously he was into like the paranormal mythology as well, and grabbed a lot of that stuff. I don't know, like you know whether he was a believer or not, but he was he was definitely steeped in that kind of knowledge, and he just kind of like crammed it all together. Right. It's yeah, it was really well done, though. It definitely did create its own. What am I trying to say? It did like create a lot of the genre and it did. It was a pioneer for sure. Yeah. But it also I mean, like like everything else, it it, it, it builds upon and then uses that foundation to create new. So it's like, right. like you can't like you can't say like he came up with everything. But you oh, also, no. <laughs> but you also can't not give him credit for what he did just because oh he based a lot of this on other things that he was familiar with in the past. It's like there, right? It's like two sides of the same coin. You build upon stuff to create new things. So yeah, and what he did do was he created a cool premise and dynamic for to like tell more stories like that because having the one person who's like kind of a skeptic and the one person who's a diehard wants to believe in everything. It's a good way to tell a story because you can definitely have both those angles and then you can look at it from both sides. And I'm sure as the series progresses, we're going to see more of that and how that dynamic really helps to create these like creepy, cryptid, mythological monster type stories and also alien. Yeah. So if you saw the show for the first time, if this was the first episode of a brand new show that was just coming out and you just saw it yesterday, what would you think? Would you be like, I'm going to watch this show? Or would you be like, this show's ridiculous? Like, what was your takeaway there? Oh, I'd watch it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd watch it. I mean, there's nothing ridiculous or, like, camp about it. There are, like, almost any media, you can, after the fact, like, pick apart little plot holes or, like, why did they do that? This doesn't make sense. Like, we, we kind of skipped over the part where, like, Scully, like, I mentioned that Scully saw that Peggy's watch had stopped at 9.03, but it's not till like, a couple hours later that she's like, Peggy's watch was stopped at 9.03, same time that your watch, the last time. And so, like, the accident must have happened, like, the same time that their little thing happened and what have you. Right. It's easy to look at those little things and be like, well, why did you make those decisions? Like, this kind of, but you also have to realize, like, there have to be conventions and there have to be assumptions that have to be made. And oh, for sure. You just have to like, you know, in the moment, like very, like if, like if you're picking that stuff out as you're watching, then that's bad. Well, I actually thought that made sense because it does make sense that like the accident would have happened and it would have happened at the same time. Cause that explains why their power went out without them getting it. Right. Well, no, I was talking more of the fact that like, she didn't acknowledge that until much later. Like she, Oh, gotcha. She looked at her watch and saw that it had stopped that time, but like, she didn't like put the, the dots together until like later is kind of what I was referring to. Okay. Yeah. No, gotcha. no, no. It yeah. makes sense that. Yeah. You, Cause you're, you're like, like as the audience, you're like nine Oh three. That's when Mulder's watch stopped. Holy shit. This happened at the same time, but it's like, it takes, right. it takes Scully a few more like, you know, segments to, to link those two together. We're like, you know, as a viewer, you've already been like, Oh, 
there we go. There's the links right there. So that's that's <laughs> that's kind of what I'm talking about. And like if that kind of yeah. thing is happening recurringly in an episode, where you're like, well, why did the character? Why is the character? Why is this really smart character dumb right now? I mean, you know, people the people do have moments where they're like that. But like if you're constantly doing that kind of thing while you're watching an episode, then that's a bad episode. But I don't right. think that was occurring in this episode. It's easy after the fact to sit down and think about it and be like, especially if we're doing like a podcast about it and we're like writing notes about it, you're really putting right. thought into the episode afterwards and being like, well, wait, how does, so you are, you are trying to match up those points. And if you're, you know, if you realize like, well, that was, they kind of like fudge that jump just to make a, you know, to make those two things connected. If you're doing that while you're watching, that's bad, but I don't think that's the case here. Yeah. No, I don't either. No, I'm just watching it again. Like I'm all in. I'm like, I would, whatever it is you do with shows now, I would binge it. I would whatever mark it on my watch list. Like I definitely, I really enjoyed it. And it's funny because like 27 years later, you think, man, this isn't going to hold up that well, but it really does. Like it didn't feel like, while I was watching it. There were like the cars are obviously very nineties and the computer is very nineties, but otherwise it didn't feel super like antiquated or whatever. It didn't feel like, Oh, this was made 30 years ago for sure. Yeah, it it's, felt like something. Yeah, it's it's probably have. helped in that aspect a little bit. That that's on like the cusp of like the world we live in now, like you know ninety three kind of thing. That's when like the internet started and we started having laptops. They're not carrying around cell phones, but they've got like no. cordless <laughs> phones in the hotels and that kind of stuff, right? So, right. but I think yeah, there's nothing there's nothing dramatically like oh we've got to wait for our contact to call us. Let's hang out by the phone booth. There's none of that kind of stuff going on. So, yeah, no, I thought it was really good. I was really impressed. And again, like, I don't know how much of that is just me going, wow, I loved this thing. And now I love it again. <laughs> or how much of it is this is a really solidly objectively good episode. But yeah. I felt like it was pretty, pretty solid. Well, and we'll see because I mean, as we've mentioned, I, I know I didn't watch past season two. I don't think I finished right. season two when I watched it. So as we move on in these episodes, these will definitely be like, I'll still have a knowledge of pop culture after the X-Files. But right. it, but I won't have that recollection of what's going on in these episodes. These episodes will be like new to me. So right. We'll have an interesting dynamic then. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be fun to get through the series and kind of see how the rest of it holds up and but I think like we said earlier one thing it definitely did successfully was it definitely displayed what the x-files is and what it's going to be at least for a while like this is the the show you're going to get and it it works like i'm in yeah and it's also got that i mean like if this had been all that existed i think this would still be like wow why didn't they ever make a series of that yeah for sure and i think that is what makes it realize that it was effective because if if this had been all there was then you would definitely have been man why do they never keep going with that so right yeah and it definitely did get really big we'll talk about it as we get further into the episodes but like x-files was huge like it really yeah it exploded and so <laughs> watching this episode you can see why people watched it and they were like holy crap i need more of this so yep. it worked and so on that note our next episode i think we should probably maybe do episode two next um yeah i guess that sounds like a good idea yeah that sounds like the way to go we did episode <laughs> one let's do episode two so, so episode two is deep throat which 
I don't remember a lot about the episode, but like I didn't realize Deep Throat came in super early in the series either, so I'm excited to watch that. I am going to admit that I the the title is Deep Throat, right? Mm-hmm. In my head, I am conflating Deep Throat because I mean, obviously, Deep Throat has the connections of like the Watergate papers, right? Yeah. You know? In my head, I'm conflating Deep Throat and the cigarette smoking man. Oh. And so I'm like, they're the same. They're obviously not the same person. No. But in my head, and and again, it's been a long time since I watched this. I'm not even sure if Deep Throat is a person in season in episode in episode <laughs> two. It may just be like we're using this as a title because there's going to be something going on that is similar to Mulder getting information. So we'll find out when we watch. Actually, I do remember that part, but I won't spoil it for you. Okay. Well, I mean, it's not really going <laughs> to spoil it for me. I mean, obviously, I've seen that at one point. I'm just so old that I don't remember. But. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll be doing episode two. If it's Hal Holbrook, I'm going to be a little disappointed, but otherwise. Um, Yeah, I think you're probably okay. Okay. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Woodward and Bernstein don't show up. So I think no Nixon. All right, cool. That'd be interesting. Yeah, it'd be weird. I think there might be a connection, though. I don't remember. Anyway, (laughs) I know they mention it. They mention where the name came from. Okay. So it actually is a reference in the... Well, we'll save that. We'll get to that in episode two. Yeah, you'll find out. So to give some credit, I got some information from the X-Files fandom wiki at xfiles.fandom.com slash wiki and the book The Truth is Out There, The Official Guide to the X-Files by Brian Lowry. I mean, I was lazy. I just like watched the episode and looked at Wikipedia. But you know. <laughs> Well, I, I looked at Wikipedia a little too, so they're also a source. I mean, just to be fair, I'm not a total savage. I did also use the book X Marks the Spot on location with the X-Files by Louisa Gradnitzer and Todd Pitson. Okay. <laughs> so I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in the spacious environs of Black Cat Studios, really just a bedroom closet, with episode production, editing, and mixing by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz and The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to help us improve the podcast and reach more listeners. You can find us at anchor.fm slash I want to rewatch or wherever fine podcasts are found. Or simply head over to I want to rewatch.com. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. We are at Rewatch X Files. And on Instagram, we are I want to rewatch. You can also email us at I want to rewatch at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash I want to rewatch by clicking on the message button. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like the X-Files, we'd be happy to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode two, Deep Throat. And try to figure out if If the the truth truth is is still out there. there.
I think I can piece that together enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, mush mouth. <laughs> it's hard after talking for so long. No, it? and we rewatch is gotta be the hardest two words to say in a row, at least for me. Oh my God. No, Those... rewatch is it's kind of a weird word anyway because it's not a real word. So yeah, I mean, and, and then putting we in front of it. Whew, yeah, man. we rewatch. Yeah. Oh, you did it really good. Look at you. Okay, fine. <laughs>